Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Square Ball Weekly Show number 260. Comes to you in three parts. We have a preview of Newcastle coming up in part two. Part three, we're going to pick heroes and villains. First, we'll do all the Leeds United news. Show is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. That's up to 15% discount on your legal fees on conveyancing instructions until the end of January 2022. If you like what we do, you want to support us as well. TSB Plus is our membership package where you get loads of stuff. You get the extra podcasts, uh, video and audio, a dedicated feed that's ad-free, priority access to the match ball after a game, all the digital mags from 2009 to now. Uh, you get merchandise discounts, daily email from Moscow, which is very, very good. Always far too modest to admit it. And it's all at the squareball.net forward slash plus. And the best bit, a one month trial is available now. We've extended the trial so you can dive in for a month. We know everyone's skint in January. Try it on for size, see if you like it. If you want to try the digital mag this month, Danny Maguire interview that Rob's done that's very good alongside loads of other brilliant stuff as well. And you get the cheeky 10% discount off of that new El Gol Para Leeds United shirt we've done. So sign up, get the discount, and then probably like <laughs> can, cancel no, it before the subscription. Gets. You're not doing the sales pitch very well, Moscow. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at it from the customer's <laughs> point of view. <laughs> new mag out this weekend as well, on yeah. sale from usual spots around Ellen Road. Yeah, yes. I think it's good digitally. Yeah. Wait till you see it on paper. Looks beautiful. Right, into the, the Leeds United news, and we've had a new contract for Adam Forshaw. And as sure as eggs is eggs, he was always going to pick up an injury, wasn't he, in West Ham? You know, people accuse Leeds fans of being like, overly negative about things that are happening with the club. Things like this are exactly why football fans are as damaged as we are. Like, it's just the, the fates, the, the the football gods, not, not smiling on us on this occasion. They're mocking us. We should say that he has since said it's not a bad injury, hasn't he? He's but still, said, you, you cannot have seen when he went down and he's, and he's going, oh, it's his hamstring and he's holding mm-hmm. his, his hamstring in that West Ham game. I thought, oh, for, not again. Yeah, he's described it as a small hamstring injury on Instagram. I'm fighting to be ready for Saturday. If not, I'll be back straight after the break. Yeah, don't fight for Saturday, Adam. Take it easy, rest. <laughs> um, get yourself ready for after the international break. You could tell when he went down because there was so many players kind of going over to him and sort of saying, like, are you all right? What's happened? Or Junior Furpo standing like 10 yards away going, I'm actually, does anybody, can I get a doctor? <laughs> Anybody want to look at this you've one? Been, you've been dicking about with Lionel Messi Jr. He's, you've not had it as bad as Adam this last couple of years. I think that's the thing as well. I think that's where the concern came from. And it is a little bit, um, he's still on edge with him when something like this happens. But it's not the first setback. He's had setbacks since uh, 
So the initial kind of being ready to come back and got over them quickly, like the last time he was out, we wondered whether he'd be able to come back from that at all. And he came back superbly. So a couple of weeks out. It could happen to anybody. Generally happens to Leeds players. Could be worse. Um, Junior Furpo as well, as we mentioned there, he got that knock to the head and everyone thought, oh, are we going to be missing him at West Ham? We only needed him for 20 minutes, didn't we, as it turned out? Yeah, that was another one. He, he's he's never been fit, has he, for um, Furpo since we've had him. He's, I think Bielsa described his, his time here as being disjointed or mm. something along those lines. And um, yeah, it does feel like every time he comes in and starts to play well, he's out again for a few weeks. He's, so. he's not really used his body for a while, has he? When he's been milling around Barcelona's reserves and according to the reports, not training at all because if it got a bit cloudy outside, Lionel Messi didn't fancy it so nobody got to do it because he was in charge, wasn't he? So he's kind of just been pissing about at, uh, at Barcelona doing nothing for a, for a while. And he did an interesting interview with Adam Pope last week that might apply across the rest of the squad as well because he was talking about how, because one of the things that kept him out of the team was COVID and he says that it's not the physical impact that COVID has had on him or has on, he was talking about athletes in general because he was saying, we're quite strong, we're quite uh, ready to withstand a virus like this. So that wasn't a problem. The problem was you can't do anything for 10 days and you can do, he said, you can do some bike work and you can do some stuff at home, but it's nowhere near enough to keep you fit. And then you go back into training and all your teammates have been training hard for 10 days. And so they're all at this level and you're at a lower level and you then have to, you feel like you have to work harder to catch up to their level of fitness and you injure yourself while trying to get up to their fitness. So it's kind of like this constant a hamster wheel that you keep getting knocked off of with injuries. But that's kind of like, and when you think about the players that we've had with COVID, like Click, obviously, Stuart Dallas, Harrison had it as well, didn't he? And probably there's several others. You always keep it quite quiet as to who has or hasn't had it. Then it kind of then... You wonder if that is a factor in how many players have then got these muscle injuries and all these strains and pulls because a lot of them aren't massive. When you see Foreshaw hobbling off and then he actually says, no, I could be all right for the next game. It is just a little pull and you wonder whether all the attention that's on Marcelo Bielsa's training methods apply. And there was even, there was a massive thing in the Telegraph on Saturday or Sunday morning that Mike McGrath, who writes a lot about Leeds, was saying, it's time that we really need to look at what Bielsa's doing in training because of all the injuries and, you know, they'll never get through this, then we beat West Ham. Um, that maybe the other side of it is also, is it a, an impact of the, the pandemic that players trying to come back from COVID? Are just, Dis- disruptive. Uh, it's yeah. disrupting the training patterns and it's not, um, and maybe there is something that they need to do in training to adapt to that, but it is an unprecedented situation of how do you put um, a squad of footballers through a pandemic that does these things that we've never in professional football or sport history been in this situation so it's all but it was interesting hearing him describe it, Furpo describing it as that's what's happened to him yeah like, more disruptive than physical yeah, yeah. Mm. Paddy Bamford he was rumoured to be almost fit for a couple of weeks and then there was talk of him featuring versus West Ham we had somebody tweet us with photos from Leeds Bradford Airport and the fire alarm test is just <laughs> going off as we record this you may or may not hear that but, yeah, there was talk that his wife was in labour and he was going to fly down and all this sort of stuff, but we've not no. heard anything. It's, it's either it's either his, hip, his hip's knackered or she's giving birth and somebody should probably find out which one it is because they're vastly different. Um, I was going to say afflictions then. But childbirth, not an affliction. It's a miracle. <laughs> uh, so he didn't play. Greenwood played football for half a game and now his face has exploded. 
mm. if you are to believe is uh, is that his Instagram from his Instagram yeah somebody got some sort of filter on it but he is he is very clearly in hospital so what he's had done we don't really know do it we? looks like he's had a, a, a rearranging of his face if this uh, this filter's anything to go by he's got two gigantic eyes no nose he's had his nose taken off mm. and a massive mouth it's knee surgery ah is was the thing have they done this to his face at the same time or is that well, while you're there, you a, sec- well. a secondary. You, you uh, could take advantage. Like, you can do anything about this. Well, looking at that. But, knee, um, knee surgery. That doesn't sound like something you shake off in a week. No, I think he'll probably need a little bit longer to uh, recover. Don't know exactly what part of his knee they have to do something, but yeah, they've done some surgery on his uh, knee. Like so, Ailing wasn't out for that long, was he? After knee surgery this season, it was a bit of a. I think Phil Hay described it as a clean-up job. Mm. But they just go in and get out some floaty bits, clean up whatever <laughs> whatever's in there. Have Chris, a dig about. See Chris packets and. Stuff, but it's um, it's maybe a judgment on him because Bielsa did reveal that Greenwood is responsible for injuring Joffy. He fell on Joffy. I don't know if he meant to let the name out because he kept it under wraps for a couple of weeks. It was, oh yes, uh, Gelhart's injured in training, and then he was like, yeah, Gelhart, some somebody fell on him in training, and then this week's like Greenwood. Sam <laughs> fell on him. It'll, it'll evolve in the next couple of weeks as the injuries evolve, but this story will evolve into where he dived on him and rugby tackled him or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he was swinging around um, above his head by his shoes. <laughs> and that hurt him. But uh, yeah, so that's what we... I mean, we know that Greenwood and Galhart great mates. And they share a house, so maybe they still do. Mm. But they could maybe... I think it would be better for their friendship and our team if they didn't hurt each other. Mm. It's like taking kids to like a soft play area and they end up crying, don't they? Injuring each other in the ball pool and I stuff. Mean, if we take Leeds players to a soft play areas will find the one razor blade that somebody's <laughs> dropped in the bottom of the ball pool it's absolutely guaranteed That's probably where Archie Gray does genuinely go is that young Rafinha we're going to be missing him towards uh, the end of January because there is the international week although there are no European fixtures it's to accommodate obviously AFCON is going on and we've got South American round of fixtures for their they've already qualified Brazil let him stay World Cup qualifies but he's been called up hasn't he selfish there are technically no games yeah but it's whether we get forced to play Aston Villa and Liverpool. But if we do, they have many more players, mm. both AFCON and I think Liverpool have three called up for uh, Brazil. Villa, if we play them, Coutinho will be um, away with Brazil. And I think they've got uh, one Is it Luis? Two. Does he go in there? I think he might do, yeah. So we um, we can cope without Rafinha. And we know that Liverpool cannot cope without you know one player. You know, if Van Dijk well, wasn't no, well, no, they, they'll they can, they'll just moan about it a lot. Yeah, exactly. And so it's almost worth rescheduling the Liverpool game for that week just to really upset Jurgen Klopp to the absolute maximum. Mm. When will we actually know? When just, when we just Klopp, don't get to no, When Klopp decides. Okay. It just feels weird. It feels like there's this weird thing like hanging over of there might be some games this week. Mm. Equally, there yeah, might not. Well, anyway, Brazil, the, Brazil are playing Paraguay and Sasha's favourite country, Ecuador. Um, mm. So we'll see what happens, whether we get to play those. Or not. We'll play them at some point, I imagine. Yeah, we, we might as well. I mean, Burnley are going to have a right old laugh, aren't they, trying to fit in all their fixtures. They've only played 17 games. They've got a lot to... They're going to have like five games in hand on people potentially by this weekend, if we're not careful. What's going to happen is they're going to realise they have to play all these, then they can moan about that yeah. instead. Well, they're like, that'll be Deitch's complaint later in the season. What will he say? <laughs> it's too many fucking games. <laughs> the complaint, Although, so. for the championship next season. 46 yeah. to get ready for, yeah. The complaint won't be from... Burnley because they can't but it'll be like Moyes has been this week because it was Norwich who called off their game that meant the West Ham match had to be played on Wednesday and it's all the teams that are supposed to be playing Burnley who have had to will have to fit games against Burnley in later in the season they're the ones who quite justifiably 
Um, I mean, Moyes kind of does have a point. He just needed to shut up whinging about it. Read the room as well, given that you were playing against um, Leeds plus some children. Yeah, exactly. He's picked the wrong uh, the wrong moment to moan about it. But And we will also go back massively on this point when we get to heroes and villains later on in the show. The, um, <laughs> the other teams who will have to fit in the games against Burnley through no fault of their own is... Um, they should just refuse to play. All the game postponements as well and listening from listening to other fans, you realise there's a sort of madness of the transfer window as well where everyone, every club thinks after the transfer window they'll be stronger. But there's only a limited number of players in the world. But every club thinks they need to sign three or four good players. And where they think they're getting those three or four good players from, who knows really? Because every, everyone is going like, well, if we can... We'll postpone this game and then we'll get someone back from injury. We'll maybe be able to buy it. Like Burnley will be thinking, well, we need to buy a striker. Well, they get Cornet back as well, don't yeah, they? Yeah, because obviously sold Chris Wood. So they're like, well, we just need to get a striker. But everyone needs a striker. Mm. And everyone wants to keep the good strikers. So and where where are this where are all these players actually coming and from? And they'll still be Burnley. Mm. And if you're a striker with um, the option of going to Burnley and you see how many games you're going to be playing in how many weeks, yeah. A bit much that. I'll, I'll go to Newcastle going. instead and play slightly fewer games and still go down. I know, that if you, uh, I know that if you throw a sponge at Twitter, you'll hit an idiot. But there was one Arsenal fan, um, I think yesterday, who was saying that one of the reasons it was fair for them to call off the North London derby was because, you know, we were down to these bare bones. And, we, you know, yes, our defender was fit, but you can't expect us to play a defender in midfield. Right. That was their sincere opinion. You can't, you can't expect us to be... So the Premier League are allowing for tactical shifts now. Wow. Well, yeah, his point of view was that, yeah, we had enough defenders, but we didn't have enough midfielders. So it wasn't fair to make us play when we, and people were just like, why don't you play your defenders in midfield? Look at, look at George Graham's teams of 96, 97. There, was, there were often eight defenders in those and there was not a problem with it apart from entertainment-wise. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's strange how people will just, maybe we do it to an extent, but the desperation to, to make the world fit um, what your football club has decided to do, whether it's right or wrong, is just madness. Just on AFCON, we need to say well done to Max Gradle for scoring that winner in the Cote d'Ivoire's first match against Equatorial Guinea. Uh, it was a great goal. Good kit, good kit he's wearing as well in that one. It's kind of white with some black speckly stripes. I think I can uh, congratulate him on the goal. It almost, like the quality of it, it's a beautiful strike, almost makes up for him being 34. He can't, no, he's not. He's 20. No, I know it's really, uh, it's really un. un Unsettling that <laughs> Max uh, Gradle is now the 34-year-old experienced captain of uh, um, Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire, and uh, an emotional one as well. He still started uh, with tears in his eyes after scoring that goal because his father died in January and because of the pandemic and everything, he couldn't go to his funeral. So there was a lot of um, emotion in that moment. But hopefully uh, Cote d'Ivoire could win it. He's got, um, although they only drew 2-2 with... Sierra Leone, but then our Max was on the bench for that one. But there, up front, they had... Who was it? <laughs> I just want to check my facts, so I'm not... Uh... He's Googling it. Um, I would say, did, mind you, did you see the Cote d'Ivoire keeper? I think he... I don't know if it looks... It looked, should we say... Oh, question, is, is he the one who sort of falls on his face? Questionably. throws it backwards. He fell over and he sort of threw it backwards out of his legs and it, it looked a little bit... Mm, yeah, he... Um, questionable. Well, he's completely knackered his knee in the process. Right. It's, um, the pitch was a farmer's field. And um, and as he's going for it, his knee is buckled underneath him. And so um, I think he got stretched off. Okay. Yes, because they ended up with, um, it was Serge Aurier of Tottenham who went in goal. Okay. Um, in Spain, they've got um, Eric Bailey. Doesn't he play for Scum? He does. But he's, you know, a Premier League player, technically. Wolf Zaha is up front with Sebastian Heller and Nicolas Pepe. 
So the three players who are keeping Max Gredel out of the team in this game are pretty good players. Um, all in all, they've got... Um, it's where Maxwell Cornet has gone from Burnley, so escaping Deutsch's madness. So there's a good team there. And I'm assuming Max Gredel is the captain of the crew. But um, For the they, sake of Ivory Coast, he would... He would break himself in two, but they're only playing him in certain matches because he's uh, because he's a doddering old man. No, no he's not. <laughs> Max Cradle. Speaking of which, Lewis Baker has left Chelsea just two years short of his testimonial year. <laughs> you see that? He was there for eight years. Do you know how many games he played in that time? It was, it was, it was two. two. Yeah, it was two, wasn't it? And he's gone to Stoke, hasn't he? So uh, out of the frying pan and into the pot. Potter, yeah, potteries. potteries yeah. yeah, maybe. Might work. Let's talk about the 49ers before we get on to transfers quickly. They won a game. That's good. In the post-season, so it's still going on after the season's ended, the regular season. Yep, so it works. The playoffs. That, do you recognise the word playoffs? Is it like a trip to Myanmar, or is it more nope. important than that? More important than that. Okay. Uh, well, questionable, actually. They played in the wild card game in the playoffs. We know we recognise the playoffs, and then in traditional sort of Legion United, we have a good partnership. Why is it? What makes it a wild card? Uh, I think some of the lower-ranked teams get in based on wild card entries, and they play off against each other. But now they've qualified through the wild card game. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. I've heard of them. Uh, who play in Arlington. And they won there in that big mega dome stadium that mm. they've got with the big tellies. And then they're into the divisional game now against, I believe, it's uh, the Packers, isn't it? The Green Bay Packers they're playing next off the top of my head. So uh, good luck. Yeah, great bunch of lads. But they, they did their best to throw it away. They were well in front. And then. Um, Has it earned them any money? And can they buy us a central midfield? That's what they should do, isn't it? Mm. As a celebration. Yeah, maybe so. On to transfers then. We're getting linked to some firm names now. Um, Ola Aina, who's the guy who's is at Torino at the minute, sort of plays right back, left back, defensive midfield. The utility man was at Fulham at one stage on loan last season. Did badly there, apparently. <laughs> but um, I suppose everyone did badly at Fulham last season. Yeah, and there's always that thing about giving him to Bielsa, who's a real coach, and yeah. um, making him better, like he makes everyone better. He's played more games for Chelsea than Lewis Bates. Well, there you go. Well, pedigree. He's got an absolute pedigree. Got a few games there before moving on. Um, and we, we got um, Pontus from Torino, didn't we? Uh, yes. yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. That worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> so what could go wrong? Exactly. I, I see no difference. Tony Dorigo went there. Very true. Excellent. Um, do John you... Charles played in the same city, so well, it's perfect. It's made, isn't it? It's, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> Uh, do you want to buy Jason Knight from Derby and uh, Irish fans who have kept track of this said that he's a he's a good midfielder for them should we buy them off him for a paltry sum just so they can keep going for another week or two well they're, they're talking about wanting 8 million quid I think we'll just wait and we'll have him for free in yeah. a few weeks time when the club is um, disbanded they're in real trouble aren't they seems to make more sense um, it's interesting when we're recording on Tuesday lunchtime and this morning on TalkSport I think um, Simon Jordan um, has been trashing Derby's fans saying ah, you, you were celebrating Mel Avery and everybody on, on strings when actually you were financially doping loads mm. um, and now you're paying the price for it so there you go Moscow you just got is that a £2 coin? Yeah I found a £2 coin it's the only change I've got on me but I think um, I could either buy Jason Knight this week or the club next week Yeah, but right. I get a lot of debt with the club don't I so I might just have the footballer The thing with the financial doping is like when, when Ben Johnson won that gold medal actual doping the the, the Seoul Olympics 1988 yeah it's just choose your flavour of cheating you're cheating with money or cheating with drugs I think doping is maybe financial doping is is it the right word when you you might be better just saying financial cheating and drug cheating Mm. but whatever it was you have to say Ben Johnson did it well because he won no one had ever run that fast before Mm. 
and granted the medal was taken off him. Yeah. But at least he at least he did run faster than anyone else. No one yeah. can take that away from him. What did Derby do? Beat, well, they won beat at, Leeds once. They won at Elland Road, didn't they? So that's their big um, that and, and, their and big the, achievement. The worst bit is that they're living rent free. That's so we'll because all, all I think about when we're in the Premier League mid table is bloody Derby every bloody. But week. we will have Jason Knight of them just because yeah. just because we can. Um, and we should just maybe get him and what should we have him do working in the canteen? Well, it can be like he can be mates with Lewis Bate, can't he? Something could be a chauffeur. <laughs> Isn't that um, the other one's job? I think all of Tom, Derby Tom Lawrence just, was... they'll be very experienced and safe drivers now after what the uh, the squad went through. Absolutely. We've also been linked to Nicholas Raskin, who is, and it says on the sheet here, two-year-old standard Liège midfielder for six um, million euro, according to the Sunday Mirror. It feels a little bit young. I mean, I know Archie Gray is sort of toddling around in short trousers, etc. But yeah, that could be a typo on my part, I think, the fact that he's the, two. The dash key um, is really close to the zero key. 20. Right. He's 20, yes. Yeah. Yes, being 20 makes more sense than being... <laughs> Than being two, I've changed that for you now. Then, okay, so we've, good. we've been link, linked to Nicholas Raskin, who's a twenty-year-old standard Liège midfielder mm. for six million euro, according to the Sunday Mirror. Although it was, it did seem like somebody responded to that within the club and sort of poured cold water on that. So that one's put that one to bed, shall we? Oh, okay, the Mirror seemed to be have have transfer news because they were also it was the admittedly the Daily Mirror rather than the Sunday Mirror was saying that we are no longer in for Lewis O'Brien as well. Um, right. David Anderson said words to the effect of like that ship has sailed yeah. or something. Okay. I wanted to do my joke about we shouldn't sign a player from standard Liège. We should get one from premium Liège. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. we want a good one. Yeah. You've done it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so thank you for that. But um, Raskin looks decent. He was picked out as uh, one of the 60 best young talents in the world, uh, according to The it, Guardian. They do this every year. In 2018, yeah. Oh, right. I did look down the list. None of them, none of them have turned out to be... Uh, Will be as as yet, but you know they are all at like twenty. So the you're you just know. the worst kind of fan, Michael. Writing all these kids you off, can't, you can't expect them to be great. But he's yeah. Do you expect Cody Drama to be great? I mean, this this feels like last well, week's he's, he's last week's news. Now we've won at West Ham. I mean, on the one hand, we've been taking the piss of Lewis, of, um, Lewis Baker for being at Chelsea, and never playing for him. Maybe he's got a point. For what I don't it's know. for what it's worth, I understand a young player's desire to want to play football week in week out, but you can't help but feel that Bielsa's position on this because it feels like. He almost talking like a man who's been betrayed. To look at it from Drama's point of view for a minute, there has been a vacancy at right back this season and he's played Shackleton and he's played Dallas. And so I can see why he might be like, well, if not now, when? And I guess Bielsa's response to that would be, well, you're not... Last week. Well, yeah. And when those other players are available, they are better than you. Mm. So they play. So get better. (laughs) You're in with a chance, but you're not there yet, which I, I guess then it does come down to the player to say, well... I think I am, or I, or I think I want to play games, but at a lower level. Maybe and if I'm not good enough for you, I, I am good enough. For and there's Cardiff. also the, the there's reports of like if you've not maybe been as integrated into the group as some of the other young players who've kind of really leaned into it. You know, like if you and you saw a little bit of evidence about that. I don't know if you were aware that, but he wasn't following any of the other team on like Instagram and vice versa. None of them were following him. So you wonder because you know there's mm. that, that senior circle within the club, and if you to believe reports, then they're saying that he hasn't really kind of pushed himself into that, and maybe gain the acceptance of that senior group in the way that someone like Gellhart has who they've been talking up. Mm. You know, so maybe it makes sense in just even socially from a social point of view for him to take himself out of that group. I don't know. I mean if he's looking to be antisocial, he's he's going to spend time with Steve Morrison, hasn't he? So he's going to poison his mind against Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> it is an interesting question overall as to what's best for player development Bielsa's point of view is that training with us and being in a squad that gives you a chance of playing in the Premier League is a really good place to be in. It's almost, and I'm interested in how it's becoming seen as old school, this idea that you need to go and 
earn your or learn your craft at the bottom of a league somewhere and that to be a top footballer you've got to spend some time learning well learning whatever Morrison and his his coaching staff who were can teach you when he's co- the coaching staff at Cardiff are, you know I don't want to badmouth the records but it's like an ex Cardiff and Huddersfield player whose name now escapes me who um he is very much he knows the club and then there's a um another player who spent his entire playing career in the Welsh league apart from a few games for Bristol which is basically Wales hello if you're in Bristol by the way <laughs> um he's only uh, crossed the border a couple of times um and there's no there's really no kind of good coaching experience and it's kind of it's it's a truism long held that you need to go and play games and learn the game but then and I keep I think I've said a lot of times that Phil Foden never going out on loan for Manchester City never really actually when you look at it I don't think he actually played that many times for their under 23s he's just since um so his first Premier League games were 2017-18 season he played five and then three in Europe and it's just been first team training and then over the years in the Premier League he's gone five 13 23 28 last season of just, just gradually building his minutes yeah. and that was good enough to make him one of the hottest prospects of the European championships and looking like one of the world's best footballers so there's not this there's not a tried and true one size fits all model anymore whereas where before I don't even know if it was true before because when you think of our last great batch of youngsters when you had Woodgate and McPhail and um you know, the guy who married her off Emma Dale and Alan Smith and all those players coming through, they didn't go out on loan. Milner went out on loan after the debut for the, after making his debut, but he was 16. So there was kind of, and they were getting him out of the way of a um, relegation battle and then brought him back into it. But apart from that, it was very much just like, you lot are good enough. You've learned everything from Eddie Gray. We'll put you in the Premier League straight away and you'll be absolutely fine and build you up that way. So this, idea that you have to go out on loan to somewhere terrible with an awful manager <laughs> and lose every week which they lost his first his debut it just doesn't quite hold true when the other option and it is a risk because you do have that Lewis Baker aspect but he's he had all his loan moves as well but do you are you necessarily being held back if you're not playing week in week out when there are other options available, like the Foden one, that is the one that keeps coming to my mind. Of the thing is, Phil, the thing is Phil Foden is incredibly good and has been and has been considered like one, the possibly like the best young player in England since mm. he was about fourteen. And so that's it. But when, why wouldn't he benefit from playing professional games? I suppose because he's technic- if his technical ability is good enough to train with Man City's first team from a younger age, maybe they see him as. I guess it's how we see Gelhart. Easier. It? To, I guess it is a bit, and it's the difference, I suppose, between like the Luke Ayling trajectory of someone who was not good enough for Arsenal at that mm. time and he and he thought well I need to I can't stay here because I think it's maybe it's about play. there's a sense that maybe yeah he's he's out there finding his level which actually the real elite talent doesn't have to do that is, is the point you make it but then yeah but then what's interesting with drama in particular is that Bielsa he said specifically I don't think he needed to play games elsewhere so his view of his ability and his talents was that he's not folding level I don't think he ever will be but that he will get everything he needs from playing, from training with mm. players of the quality of Liam Cooper. And I always pick on Liam Cooper. You know, we don't have a, a Bernardo Silva to put next to him, but basically his view is he's good enough to be in a Premier League squad and le- he will learn everything he needs to learn from being in a Premier League squad and training 
with Leeds United and it's Drummer who thinks, no, actually, well, maybe it's Drummer's lack of, maybe it's a lack of confidence in himself that he is. He doesn't see himself at that level that without games. Now, I'm not saying that that's hard and fast the wrong thing to do. I'm just interested that more and more players and more and more clubs are just going, no, actually, we'll, we'll keep them in-house. And Bielsa's view is if a player is really good, he wants them, he thinks they'll learn everything they need to learn from training at Leeds and being in the squad and available. And they won't all be Foden's, but that's the best place mm-hmm. to give them the education that will serve them better. And really? interesting that Drama thinks he... Well, yeah, the other thing that we also said is like young players don't often get enough of a say in their own development. And uh, this is an example of a player who wants to choose his own path. And, and, and he, mean, he did choose it to come to us. He's, only, he's not come through us. He's not been with us since he was eight or anything. So we no. signed him like, was it two years ago from Fulham? And he came to us because we he could see more of a pathway into the first team, didn't he? So I guess if he's now seeing that there isn't that pathway. I guess the, the weird thing is he just got in the team mm. and he would have played at West Ham probably or he'd have at least been on the bench. And Yeah, he was getting there, wasn't he? That's the thing. And it's where you, you draw the line as well of like whether it's because we're saying on the other show about how what's great about all our young players is that when they get in the team, they absolutely are ready because we train them to be ready to play in the Premier League every week. So if what you're doing, because that's the other part of it, is if what you're doing from Monday to Friday in training is working the job of a Premier League footballer as if you're going to be playing on Saturday and then all that happens on Saturday is, well, Luke Ayling's fit, so you're not playing. Surely you're getting a better work experience than being trained by Steve Morrison and his half-wit mates from (laughs) Monday to Friday to prepare you to be ready to for a lower league for a lower half championship match. <laughs> You've killed Michael. <laughs> you know what's what's a better what's a better use of your time during the week um, compared to what you do on the weekend? It's kind of and you you don't end up with the minutes on the pitch. But yeah, I get it. I get so it. there's a balance, and I'm I, you know I'm not saying as I said I don't think one is right and, and one is wrong, but it's interesting that it's, it seems like it's changing from the older. Uh, I held loads of seven up when you said half with me. <laughs> the old, uh, the easy old rule of you have to go out on loan to get experience doesn't seem like it's as relevant as it was. Well, let's, well, now he's, well, now he's gone. Mm. Let's he's just, irrelevant. Let's just say how shit he was against Arsenal. <laughs> no, get yourself together, Michael. It feels like he's probably not going to come back from this, doesn't it? But yeah, not, not while Bielsa's here, I don't Best think. of luck to him. Yeah. Um, whatever. And uh, whatever. <laughs> That's the kind of positive family <laughs> environment we want to foster. Anyway, the under-23s beat Derby 2-0 in York. Great goal by um, Amari Miller. Charlie Allen got the second late on. Probably the last time we'll play their 23s before they go bust. Mm. Well, um, we can have them, can't we? I suppose we'll have... Whoever's left. Yeah. That might help the under 23 stay up as well if Derby go bust because um, they are, I think we've overtaken them on points now, but they have a game in hand and they were, were just above us in the um, relegation at the bottom of uh, Premier 2 Division. We one. also um, we also beat Wigan in the Premier League Cup, didn't we? Uh, Max Dean scored that absolute scorcher. And LUFC women through to the semi final of the County Cup, 1 4 0 at Harrogate Town. Laura Bartop with another goal, scores for fun these days. And a couple of others from, uh, well, Sauce Martin got two, Elliot another. Good win, that. And I think they play some league games again soon because it has been a very long time since they've, since they've had any. There's a really, when you talk about the fixture congestion and pileups, there's a really weird thing at this level where the County Cup takes priority over everything. So if there's a County Cup game to be played, the league matches have to move and right. it always screws everything up, especially because you get drawn against a, a little pit village. 
in the, the West Riding County Cup. Barnsley. That plays on an Bradford, ass- Bradford Park Avenue. That plays on a cabbage patch yeah. in in December and January, and they can't get the game on, and you have to keep delaying week and week until you find a pitch that you can play them on. Right, it's, it's always a mess. Just hopefully they'll get promoted and into the. Uh, is it the National League next? We de- we decided. Uh, well, you get to basically step three, yeah. um, the step below the um, the championship, and then it's the Super League above that. But I think we still get dragged into the, the County Cup just for being in. Unless we succeed from Yorkshire. It's January. You're definitely moving house. And if you aren't moving house, you probably should be because you can take advantage of our extra discount on your legal fees with Levi Solicitors. You may know by now if you've been listening to this show, you get 10% off your legal fees if you go through us. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. That is up to 15% on conveyancing instructions. So if you get your quote sorted out before the end of January 2022 Levi's will honour that 15% off the legal fees part of your conveyancing quote so are you going to finally bow to our pressure from last week Moscow and, and move house I did instruct you last week to buy a house and you, I, I noticed you, you've not done it yet yeah. you've not brought it with you anyway well it's um, isn't it a longer process that needs expert advice from <laughs> people who will are you saying I'm not ex- an expert I'm saying that I, I maybe need a second opinion from some experienced and uh, lead supporting solicitors. Conveyances. And conveyances, <laughs> which is the thing, and they can convey to me mm. what it is I need to do to buy a house while only charging me 75% <laughs> of what they normally would because I've and, done and it and you've got before that wrong. the end of January. Your, your maths is... 85%. Uh, <laughs> 85%. <laughs> oh, Moscow, never change. Yes, <laughs> Have a look at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the score. What's the discount, to be clear? 15% on your legal fees. 100 minus 15 is 85, Moscow. Unless Moscow wishes to make up the difference. (laughs) Which he will, I believe. This is part two of the show, then, where we will preview the upcoming match. We are playing Newcastle at home. Three o'clock on a Saturday, which is something of a rare beast in this uh, modern era of Premier League football. Sum them up in a sentence. Rich but shit is what I wrote. Is what I wrote on the prep sheet, and it probably yeah. That that kind of is where they are right now. Uh, they got rid of Bruce though. At least that fixed them because he was the he was always the problem, wasn't he? Well, Mike, Mike Ashley's gone, so uh, yeah. they've now got excellent ownership. In, impeccable. Well, we your um, good factor. I know we are just joking around to hideously tempt fate here, but the bare facts of it are: Bruce had ten games, couldn't get a win. Eddie Howe's now had ten games, and they've only got one win. Four draws, five defeats. They look to be in a world of trouble. And the most recent game against Watford, they weren't good, were they? And I know they're kind of pinning all the hopes on getting more players in, but you wonder if if that'll fix it for them. The games are running out for them, aren't they? That's the thing. It's um, if they can, they need to win this. A, a, a few weeks ago, it looked like it would be must win for us. Probably not anymore. We win, we pretty much comfortable. I would say for a, certainly for for several months, we'll probably be all right. A draw is no good for them anymore. They I was going to say, I said this, to win this. made this point on a match ball, didn't I? Like a draw is fine for us now. Having won at West Ham, it would keep them at the same distance that they are now. I mean, I think we should win. Yeah. Because it just make things nice and comfortable for us for, for mm. a while, as I say. But um, yeah, they've got to win at some point, haven't they? They, you know, they can't just keep saying, we'll, we'll buy some more players. We'll buy some more players because they've only got a couple of weeks left to do that. And truthfully, they need about 10 because most of their team is not very good. No, it's not. I mean, I watched all of the the Watford game and it was a remarkably low-quality game, was that. And it actually goes back to what you were saying. I think it was on the match ball, Moscow, and something you've said across the season is that we've always had more in the tank 
at Leeds, it's always felt like we've got more, even if it's just latent um, quality in there on the displays of this season. But it's finally, it feels like we're starting to see more of it now. Whereas with Newcastle, you just wonder where where they can get to if they don't sign anybody else, I'd say. It looks like the championship, doesn't it? But the qualifier here is that there are four teams down there and only three can go down. Yeah, I mean, they will probably come out of the transfer window with a, a far better squad than they went into it with, which I don't think will be the case for Norwich or Burnley um, or Watford. So they, they probably will still always have a chance because those those four do look all pretty terrible. It's probably going to be like last season where we were panicking about Fulham catching us for absolutely ages and then in the end like 30 points would have been enough to stay up and when you look at how far off 30 points we are there's really there's really not very much to go at all so you just don't know where that mark is going to be though do you and if we win this it puts us it puts us needing so few points actually from the remainder of the season that we can probably be relatively comfortable and just going back to the experience of earlier in the season when we wore the uh, the lilac kit and we didn't get the, the Dan James penalty we should have beaten them that game shouldn't we really we let them get a, a foothold back in the game was it um, was it Junior Furpo's miss? Mm, yeah, he volleyed over the bar from yeah. about six yards. He was talking about that last week as well in his um, interview on Radio Leeds. He's not forgotten because he was asked about um, attacking and how he felt about going forward. And he's like, well, you've seen me in the box. And he was like, <laughs> as if it was still kind of bothering him. And he was like, yeah, I need. I hope I score a goal soon to kind of put that behind me. Um, it is now when you look at Newcastle's results. They've won one game, 1-0 against Burnley. Which almost doesn't count. No. <laughs> and it's a big, uh, it is a kind of a big miss in our season, I think, that we didn't get the points up there. We didn't play badly, did we? No, no first half we, would, we were all over them. We should, yeah. Like I say, we, we could have been two or three up by the time that Furpos put it over the bar. We've had the, what was a Stonewall penalty mm. not given. They, they'd had a couple of chances, but we, were, we looked by far the better team in that game. Um, and it also, the game was disrupted a bit with, I think Ailing and Bamford both went off injured, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, the day when... Else was saying last week that he asked Bamford to keep playing even though he was injured mm. and we had to we had all sorts of problems. But it's um it was interesting the start of our game against West Ham when we had Foreshaw and Furpole. And if you look at how good we were, I know it's all ifs and buts because it didn't happen because they were injured. But if only that starting eleven had played the whole game, would we have won ten nil? As <laughs> I felt like we might, but we were whenever we've got not even the full first team but close to it, we've looked good again. You mm. like you can't really say this is talking about us again instead of Newcastle, but what was really different from our performance at West Ham and the best of last season? Absolutely the same. But Dan James is a striker and Bates in midfield and Yelders at left back. And yet somehow we found a level of performance that took us to ninth last season. Newcastle, no matter, I don't care who they sign, I don't care how good the players are that they put on the pitch, I just don't see them getting out of a first half of the season, uh, 22 games, well, the, the two were postponed, so they've played 19 or 20. They've played a lot of games <laughs> and they've won one and I just don't see, I don't know, oh, I don't know who they they've think. They've played 20. I don't, know, I don't know who they think they can sign or how many players they think they can sign that is immediately going to just turn them into a team that, that wins games mm. because it just, if they couldn't be, you know, Chris Wood, Kieran Trippier, good signings on paper, spent a lot of money. We know that they have certain skills and abilities that you'd think would be helpful. And they drew with Watford, who were awful. So what's your way out, Newcastle? Your way out, Dan. If Newcastle's looking at their fixtures, if they're going to get out of it, it's going to be within the next month because they play us, Everton, Villa, West Ham, Brentford, Brighton. If they can't get game the points out of those games, then they're into a they're into 
like the end of the season and, and already they simply run out of matches though. yeah and already it's a massive ask isn't it so as each game goes by it's, it's tough isn't it it's funny I see parallels with us earlier in the season with Newcastle in that I mean I say this as an outsider I don't watch them every week but you get the impression it's almost give it to St. Maximan and hope that something happens which was a little bit like us earlier in the season when we were kind of devoid of ideas injuries a bit and it was like give it to Rafinha and hope something happens. Whereas actually we feel like a lot more of a rounded team now based on the West Ham performance and the way things have been sort of gradually creeping forward in recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, people like Harrison coming back into a bit of form was, he was so badly out of sorts at points this season, wasn't he? But because of weaknesses in the squad and injuries, we just had to keep playing him basically. So I mean, there was, whereas we would have probably had James playing instead of him for a time, James was needed to play up front. So we had to keep Harrison there, well, and there, actually, there was just there was just a lack of options. I was going to say it goes back to remember in the the championship in the promote was it the promotion season where we were saying just uh, give Bamford a rest mm. um, when he was out of form, but we didn't have the luxury of of doing that, and we had to kind of just play our way through it and play back into form. But on the flip side of that is huge credit to them for going through it and coming out the other side and playing their way back into form, and it feels like we've sort of done that a little bit this season. Yeah, I mean Newcastle have never hit anything like form. I mean they followed up their one win with three losses on the bounce. Admittedly, Liverpool and Man City and Leicester are not exactly easy teams to beat, but there's, there's nothing there. And in looking at Eddie Howe's games that he's had, if you're going to go through an, as a relegation team and penciling games, you, you're probably targeting wins like Brentford and Norwich at home and Watford at home. You think, well, you've got to probably get something from those and, you know, to, to scrape a few draws out of them is, is not enough. So. They drew 1-1 away to Watford at the end of September and then they drew 1-1 at home to Watford. So... Rules have spent in this window. They've got, got no better. And mm. House replaced Bruce. They've got no better. Well, the um, Chris Wood's an interesting. Well, I was just going to say we've we've get, we've got another chance to look at Chris Wood as, about uh, what I was about to come on mm. to. So let's let's do him. Would you have brought him back? Because we like it's maybe easing a little bit now. But last week we had no strikers, and we watched Newcastle sign Christopher Wood for twenty, whether it's twenty five million. Um, and they clearly believe he can score enough goals to overhaul the teams above them. Should we have gone for him? No, not Why for that not? money. <laughs> no, not not for not for over twenty. But that's the, that's the price of a footballer these days, isn't it? If he was available on loan for three months, yes, or you know, for five million pounds, maybe. I mean, and it so. might it might be enough to to snooker Burnley, but then you've obviously got to then overcome Watford, which is why I think there was almost double jeopardy placed on um, on the game last week. Would you if the Price was no object. Would you want him back? I think I think he's put a perfectly good Premier League striker. That's what I said to my mate, who's a Newcastle fan, who uh, texted me about what's he like, and I said, "Well, he's a perfectly fine Premier League yeah. striker. He's, he's not, you know, he's not going to be a Champions League. He's quite good in the air. Level he's goal scorer is he? reasonable technically. Sort of knows where to stand. Work rate. It's fine. Probably not for us. Mm. Fine for most teams. But yeah, I wouldn't have been desperate to have him back. I think." Um, as a rule, I tend to not want us to sign players who we've already had because it just rarely works. And it, when you look when you look back, it's one of those things that we teams get obsessed with having players that they've had before. It's like the ten years we had to be linked with Alan Smith. Brian like, Dean's second spell was fine. Brian Dean's second spell was Lee, fine. Lee Chapman's not so much. John mm. Lukic's second spell, yeah, won the title. Mm, true, but his first spell was I don't know. It was in a weird wilderness period. People tend to want to bring back like. People who who did like Chris Wood because he scored thirty goals with it's like he'll do that again. David so David Batty was times all right. change. Yeah, when um, uh, GFH promised they were going for Gradle. Mm. Yeah, then <laughs> for zero money, we put in a bid of ten pounds. Let's see if it's accepted. <laughs> you know, if GFH Gradle back, if GFH was still in charge, they'd be going for him now at thirty-four years old. Mm. Mm. One of the stars of Afcon. 
Um, but as it is, it's Chris Wood. Uh, as I was saying about like in the run up to the uh, West Ham game, I think the same almost applies to Chris Wood here. Is you know what you're going to get. You know, you know what we're going to face this weekend in the shape of Chris Wood. I guess the issue is he's cutting off supply to St. Maximan is how you win this, isn't it? And uh, playing on the front foot. Um, and I think it feels like at the minute Leeds United are playing on the front foot and that this win, I mean, two wins on the round, 100% record in 2022 in the league. Best record in the division. I mean, how many games? Is it two? <laughs> I mean, it's two games. Uh, that's another way of, of putting it. But I suppose to look at it um, another way, that's twice as many as Newcastle have won all season. So, yeah. yeah. So that's good, isn't it? We've yeah. done that in just a couple of weeks. And I think, obviously, we can leave it up to Bielsa and the players to go, like, you know, how do we deal with Chris Wood, put Pascal Stroik on him? That would be my answer. And then, you know, cutting off supply to St. Maximan and who's, you know, can we uh, stifle Shelby's creativity? I think we just beat them because they're a bunch of losers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go, go down well. <laughs> well, they are. Look, at they've won once and they've not even drawn that many. I mean, this this is that massive banana skin, isn't it? Of when we we sit here and we predict games, and like you look at it and you look at all the evidence where we are, where they are. So we should win this, um, not necessarily at a canter. I think that's that would be being disrespectful. But based on the two teams' confidence, how they're playing, how we've played in recent weeks, there's no reason why we shouldn't. And the the influence of pressure comes to bear as well because Newcastle have to win this game, otherwise they've no hope. But then they really had to beat Watford, and they drew. And us, under the pressure when we needed to start the year with a, a win over Burnley, and we just beat them 3-1. It wasn't a problem. I don't think our peers, and I think there's maybe, I don't know, if not an advantage to being at, in this part of the table, but it's become pretty clear to Leeds United what we need to do now, which is not get relegated, get out of the situation that we're in, beat the teams around us, and stop fussing. Whereas in the earlier part of the season when we still hadn't worked out if we're are we going for Europe? Is that dream still alive? Are we going to Are we going to get relegated? What is the team trying to do this season? It was all a bit unclear and so there was a sense of kind of disappointment whereas with that clarity against Burnley of they are a rival, if we don't beat them we're in danger of going to the championship and we win and I think we're responding to pressure better than this bunch of... Uh, <laughs> Dirty money losers. That's the thing. It's a shame almost that it's happened to Newcastle because I used to quite like him in a way and I want Newcastle in the Premier League because I like it as an away ground. I'll, I want to go there because it's fun. Mm. Um, We've always felt quite like similar, but it's, great parallels between the two clubs in terms of one club city and but it's just impossible to, it's yeah, impossible to love them now. Can't root you, for them, can you? No, you just think, well, I, I basically only want bad things to happen to them. Yeah. <laughs> so. In the, the new issue of the Square Ball magazine, uh, Miles Rowcroft has written about what Newcastle may end up paying for the success that they may or may not have, not this season. But the the idea of Manchester City now can't sell out the stadium anymore. A lot of the passion is gone. They get to Wembley and nobody wants to go because they, they were there three seasons running under Newcastle of all clubs to kind of trade in what they have been for that. And he has a great line where he says, if you met a Newcastle United fan, you'd always think you can have a conversation with them about football. You'd say, oh, oh, what good players have you got and how are you doing this season? It would be an interesting kind of just a football fan to football fan conversation. Whereas now you come up against this wall and it's not all of them, obviously. There's still the, the, the nice people who've retained some dignity and integrity and self-respect. But you come up against this wall of, well, we've, just, we've got £200 million, so we're going to sign Mbappe. And that total lack of realism and lack of interest, that's not even an interesting thing to do, is it? It's like, I'd love to watch Messi playing for... 
leads, but it's not an interesting attitude. And it's then hilarious when they sign Chris Wood <laughs> and get relegated anyway. All things being equal, we win this one, don't we? You can't argue otherwise. <laughs> we, are, we are better than them and at home and in better form. And we earn Eddie Howe the sack with Rafa Benitez. It, it would not surprise there. me at all. And it would that. be bloody brilliant. Mm. <laughs> Especially now that it looks like, I mean, Everton have their own problems that Benitez stepped into, but I don't think he's the manager he was. Certainly the evidence of since leaving Newcastle points that way. So the perfect new messiah to keep them in the championship for the next three or four seasons I would uh, welcome but then I mean I don't know if Eddie Howe gets them promoted I mean Eddie, I think Eddie Howe would probably be quite grateful to be sacked because I'm sure he's paid well he'd have been he'd essentially probably be getting like a few million quid for a couple of months work lovely stuff I, I'd do it yeah <laughs> great stuff I'd, I'm on maybe stay out of the embassy though yeah this podcast brought to you in association with The Athletic. You can use our sign-up discount if you fancy at theathletic.com forward slash the square ball and we'll catch up with Phil later on this week. I told you, didn't I, that we would win this game down at West Ham. You've said that many times Stopped this season. Clock, stopped clock are, and all that. You've been wrong nearly always. But I will enjoy having bragging rights over the pair of you in the podcast studio when we record on uh, on Thursday. I mean, my misery, I don't go on about our right arm, do I? When, when we've been spanked it all <laughs> over the place. But, uh, but no, well done this week. Oh, thank you very much. Um, look out for the Phil Hay Show in your podcast feed towards the end of the week. Theathletic.com forward slash the square ball to sign up. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We're doing uh, heroes and villains now. Then we'll pick a good and bad person from the last seven days. The first part of that is the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award. We caught uh, responses from our TSB Plus members to find out who they think should win these awards. They send us their feedback. We'll also input our own thoughts into this. What should we do first? And let's have a look. Let's launch straight into Adam Forshaw okay. as a villain, eh? Because of his... Because um, his... of his, 
Because of his, uh, his the, injury. The yeah. cheese strings, not hamstrings, aren't they? Jelly nominates him. Clearly waited until he was offered a new contract before deliberately going back on the sick. <laughs> um, I hope they built statutory sick pay into his contract this time. So he's going to be at 120 quid a week uh, or whatever. Uh, Thatcher's children. Whatever it is. <laughs> I would pluck the back of his thighs like a cheese string banjo given half the chance. <laughs> but yeah, I... I um, he did get a few nominations, but I, they are they are tongue in cheek. Well, one step removed from that, hamstrings themselves in general. Out, yes, picked out by Suffolk uh, Coda and Lee and Cheese, saying uh, hamstrings themselves. What's the point in them? Uh, I mean, Lee and Cheese is saying, what's the point of them? I'm if sure a medical man would explain well, what the point if, of them is. If they but... didn't exist, we'd have ninety percent, ninety five percent of the team available. If a hamstring didn't exist, would you invent it? No, no. Is so, it like an appendix you can do without it? It's best to just have it have it removed. Yeah. Although I think I'm really I'm I'm really I'm certain you need them for running and kicking and stuff. Well, they are a group of three muscles that run along the back of your thigh from your hip to just below your knee. So I mean, that's the first start. Three muscles. What, what's wrong with one? Masquerading under one banner. It's, it's tripling the chance of an injury. <laughs> so I can immediately see opportunities to save. Excellent. Um, VAR and the ref obviously get nominations. The rules in general. Um, are folded in with VAR. Yeah, I mean, I put I, I included the rules because some people are saying like uh, it's. It was wrong that our gold was disallowed, but it it wasn't really VAR's fault. It's mm. the it's the rules that are there. It's morals come into this goal in particular, yeah. don't they? That it's kind of like morally it should be a goal, but then if football's morals allow the Saudi Arabian takeover of Newcastle United, mm. then why do we have to be moral and rule this goal out? So I think my point is clear. Yeah, I think well. <laughs> You know, Gary particularly picks out the morals, actually, Gary Furnival, but also Benny Lux says, trying to avoid the ball on the goal line is interfering with play. Nicking the ball off the goalkeeper is not what a load of old arse. And that's the frustration from the last mm. seven days with regards to that, isn't it? Mike Dean specifically um, picked out by Paul for the disallowed goal. Was it his fault? I'm not sure. But also, his bigger crime was not giving the match ball to Jackie immediately. I didn't know this. Did, was he doing it in a jokey way? He does it every time. He does. Is it's like really, a, it's a thing. A, it's a standard joke. He either does, either pretends that the Premier League footballer in front of him is a toddler. He's going, I don't know where the ball is. Can you up, find the ball? Pointing up a shirt. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Or he's just like, no, uh, there's nothing in the rules to say that you can have this ball. I'm only joking. And I'm sure every single time people have, although actually, I don't know, it's the first hat trick Jackie has scored for us. I don't know if it's the first one he's scored in his career. It might be. So maybe that, Chucklesome Mike Dean routine is all just part of the joyful experience. If um, Scunny might have, when he gets home, he'll have been telling his girlfriend or like, and then you'll never guess what the referee was doing. Oh, tell me again, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine um, there was a moment. Did you, do you think this? You know, when Mike Dean at one point dropped his yellow card, I had flashbacks to uh, Gaza, you know, when he picked up the yellow card in Scotland and pretended to book the ref who then booked him back in mm. return. I had visions of Mike Dean doing that. You know, when he dropped his yellow card, if somebody had picked it up and handed it back to him, it seems like the sort of guy who'd do that. I think Mike Dean would go along with it because I think he likes to be seen as pally. It's like when he was on the front row of the Tranmere fans punching in the air. He wants to be everybody's mate. Um, so if that kind of thing happened, he'd probably like playfully knock them out. Loads of people picking out uh, Jared Bowen for, first of all, shushing the Leeds fans, but uh, then chesting the ball over... Over the bar. Yeah, he gets both hero and villain nominations, does Bowen, for yeah. essentially all for the same thing, for the shushing and then the the miss. A foot, the a foot in either camp. Yeah. So we'll, we should probably just deal with him all at once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the shushing thing. I suppose it's fine. I, I, I prefer it to the, the daft dancing business that's been going on at Elm Road. 
And mm. I feel like at a home ground, it's a safer thing to do. Yeah. If he scores in front of the cop, I mean, mind you, the fans are so far. The different. fans are so far away. There's no danger of anything, is there? That's true. Unless you've got one of the, the Olympic javelin <laughs> throws in the crowd, who can who can reach him with just a, happens to have forgotten where they were and they're hanging with a, around with a bottle there. Um, I like Rafinha's dancing. Mm. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Just saying. I don't. Well, I don't mind it when our players do it. I think with Bowen and his shushing, if it had been not just a spawny header from a corner that everybody I could score a header from a corner against Leeds United, it's not difficult. <laughs> So, so visions of you throwing your frail body towards, would, towards a ball. I would give it a go against our <laughs> pathetic set-piece defender. Uh, so it's not like he did anything good. If he'd banged it in from 30 yards and wanted to run around shushing everybody else, absolutely fine. But just, you know. And it was only a shush. It wasn't, it wasn't a big dance. I enjoyed it, I enjoyed Ben's comments though. Bo, Bowen pointing to your shirt and, um, on your name in a sly grin after equalising. Practice scoring with your chest ball, you slug. Slug is a great insult. <laughs> Um, we often look at weight of nominations as a good indicator as to where this award should go and David Moyes by some distance has run away with the uh, the volume of nominations um, Katie, Chris, Jeff P Boney M back uh, Mark Worthington as well hello to all you and all the other people who um, nominated um, Moyes Ender in particular says Moyes for being an ungracious whiny little bitch I mean it's hard to argue with it is it about the whole three games in a week and the fact that he hasn't managed his players. I mean, we managed to we managed to manage our players despite an injury crisis that has spiralled out of control and was exacerbated again in this game, and we still won. He did just keep talking about it as well, like mm. like Moscow said. Like I kind of would think, oh, I've seen this interview before, but no, it was the same interview he did for Sky, did for Match of the Day, did for the press. It was just the same old bloody. I mean, I know him. I do accept as a manager, it must be really tedious having to do the same, being asked the same question over and over again and you probably do just lapse into the same thing but it just made it sound all the more whingy the flip side of this is that we've been spoiled by Bielsa isn't it because he's so humble and he's got so much humility about stuff like this and he never complains about anything anything the closest we've seen actually is the sarcasm on the touchline for the, the VAR disallowed goal in this game but I mean West Ham Ralph your mate Ralph says who the fuck does he think he is <laughs> talking about Moyes not you well he's got the um, he's got the old Trafford head still yeah. complaining about scheduling like there's no tomorrow but can still have a very strong team and bench um, and just talks about the self-entitlement and it's the same with like Arsenal as well. We're going to end up with a manager post-Bielsa who will try out, <laughs> try out some of these cliches. Mm. But by then, this is why we end up with the, like the, the Chileans are known as the widows of Bielsa because you never get over somebody so pure, do you? He's mm. the purest man ever. And it's not only the purity, it's we won. And yep. at a particular moment when I mentioned on one of the other episodes, the Telegraph article saying, Bielsa's methods are absolutely just breaking player after player and it's about time he thought about the way that he's training these players and he needs to calm it down. And there's been a lot of questions to Bielsa about that. He's had to sort of defend it. He says, yeah, your common sense. He said, yeah, common sense might dictate that I should moderate the training, but these are the reasons why I don't do it. And all that's been in the mix as like the big question of Bielsa is burning these players out and against West Ham. Yeah, we had two more players injured. We already had nine that weren't fit to start. So you can say, yeah, there's an argument that something's going wrong. But we won. And at the end of it, David Moyes, who he has a, the odd injury. They've been missing some defenders and he keeps he was being weird about who doesn't have uh, COVID or not. Lost and whined. And who has managed this situation better? You can only play what's in front of you. We'll have to play... Liverpool and Aston Villa at some point this season and it will probably be inconvenient for us especially with the way our squad has been stretched and probably will continue to be stretched but um, I think it was um, an indication that Bielsa 
had a better idea of how to manage his players through the last um, seven days with two games and David Moyes with his three. And that's, um, you can't just moan on about circumstances all the time. At some point, you've got to take responsibility and say, what is your method for doing this? And Bielsa's methods, which are constantly criticised, were right. David Moyes' method was just to run all his players in the ground for, you know, Michael Antonio, who was complaining about being tired. He played him three times that week, full appearances each time. Don't do that. Then he won't be as tired. You're cretin. There was a fighting woman in the uh, in the upper tier, scrapping with Leeds fans, says Jerry. Um, <laughs> says she was very impressive and maybe should be a hero, actually. Putting in some good some good uh, windmilling, maybe. Maybe somebody insulted her precious boys. You don't say that about my boys. About my family. Um, on that, the concept of West Ham comes in for some attention from Wisconsin Todd. Specifically picks out Bubbles, not Michael Jackson's friend, but um, the little machines that they had by the side of the pitch. Says West Ham's entire club culture rotates on an axis consisting of a couple of $20 bubble machines pried away from a third-rate wedding reception. At least at Upton Park, they sort of filled part of the ground. At their vacuous new place, it just looks like a methane leak in their giant characterless shit heap. Though the bubbles did give a nice picture of Bielsa. Did you see that one? Mm. With the bubbles in front of him, just him smiling. They they don't even have that big picture of Bobby Moore that used to frown over the pitch anymore at I think everyone, everyone in East London has to have a picture of Bobby Moore in their in their house don't they did is we, that still the case did we cover this um, in one of the many many West Ham previews that we've done I know I put it in the email newsletter but when you're talking about what defines West Ham it's Bubbles and Bobby Moore but his domestic honours FA Cup are you about to go on a trash Bobby Moore now no oh okay he's one of the he's an absolutely superb Defender, one of the greatest footballers you'd ever wish to see. But his domestic honours, FA Cup, and then... What about his shopping habits? FA Cup, (laughs) 64. Charity Shield, 64. Cup Winners Cup, 65. And that's it. Because he spent his entire playing career, apart from a few seasons at the end at Fulham, for West Ham United, who despite having one of the world's greatest defenders, and then also Jeff Hurst, who scored the, the brilliant goals that won the World Cup for England, Martin Peters as well, they were so chronic... They never even got close to winning anything. So Bobby Moore, one of the greatest um, players of all time, certainly from this country, ends up with a, a playing career with basically an empty trophy cabinet because West Ham were pathetic <laughs> and couldn't win win anything for him or even with him. He, I mean, even when he, he went to play for Fulham for four seasons, when he was a very old man, got to an FA Cup final, which is... All in it, and they were in Division Two. They got close, as close to glory as West Ham had done for ten years. Are you saying Bobby Moore had to look elsewhere for silverware? Etc. <laughs> he move, was the runner-up for the Ballon d'Or on. in nineteen seventy, <laughs> and West Ham had not won anything for five years, and did not win anything for another five years with him in the team. And I feel like, and then they've got the temerity. <laughs> To put a massive picture of him up at West Ham. How could you dare? Upton Park. Put up a picture of one of your club legends. Bobby Moore hated that club. <laughs> he would have been well within his rights. <laughs> they held him back. Probably when, you know, 1964, when they'd won the FA Cup for the first time with him in the team, you're like, all right, I'll get, a, I'll get a big old trophy cabinet for the manor and I'll fill that with stuff. And then he I'll gets... acquire some of my own things for it. Well, to be fair, yeah, his, his individual <laughs> honours... Um, Footballer of the Year, West Ham Player of the Year. They only gave it him four times. It was better. Um, <laughs> FIFA World Cup All-Star Team, BBC Sports Personality of the Year. He got an OBE, uh, World Soccer 11. 
um, <laughs> Football Hall of Fame, UEFA Jubilee Awards, the, the FIFA World Cup all-time team, the FIFA Order of Merit World Team of the 20th century. So it's huge array of Bobby Moore honours and then a little corner for his West Ham bloody <laughs> Tim Pot mug. Anyway, Kis- they held that man back. Kisnobo's kneecaps uh, picks out just the whole concept of games against West Ham. Bit middling though, doesn't overly like them. I don't overly dislike them. And um, hopefully, maybe I've changed his opinion now. And Philip actually goes in on the whole concept of London. You can stick your hoodoo right up your drum roll. Uh, I believe that pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it? Rodrigo's arse gets a few nominations. Arsenal, as got, well. Arsenal and Arteta got plenty. Yeah. Um, I think it all comes under the, the banner of Moyes, doesn't it? That kind yeah. of stuff. Although, Moyes, although, Moyes, uh, although it's fair to Moyes, he had the decency to play the game. He tried to get it called off. Oh, did he? Yes, he what said. What an absolute And he was back. saying after the um, Arsenal called their game off, he was saying, well, we should have fought harder to get ours called off. So they, they, they tried and I think they approached it more from the point of view of saying, what do you mean we have to play? What gives? And now he's saying like, now he's seen what Arsenal did. We should have gone back and just said, well, we're not. Because they had a case mm-hmm. of COVID and then he should have, I don't know, hobbled some more of his players to... <laughs> to get it off but um, yeah I mean part the, the thing that's he, really annoyed people about Arsenal is that they've got they've got players at AFCON they've got Granite Jacker suspended their own fault yeah things things that they that two were players entirely, loaned out yeah things that are entirely predictable like Granite Jacker being suspended yeah. and your African <laughs> players playing for their countries those are all things that are going to happen in January yeah exactly so and they also they it wasn't that they didn't have enough players available it was that they were they were submitting as evidence the load that the players had been under in the games that they've been playing I think that's where David Moyes is kind of like, well, I thought the, the rules were just how many fit players you had. Now I learned that we could have span it that, you know, Antonio's a bit tired. Then <laughs> right, we okay. could have done that. So <laughs> it's a big Moyes, boy. Imagine Arsenal, having to, imagine to carry this. around that torso. Um, Graham Soonis does get a couple of mentions for his little sly dig before the game, but he counterbalanced that after the game by saying how great we were. So he's probably managed mm-hmm. to... Eradic- I didn't mind his dig. It was kind of funny. Yeah, eradicating his crimes there. Uh, but Rodrigo's ass got a few I've already mentioned that yeah. I don't uh, think we can mention it enough shapely <laughs> just inconvenient yeah Lewis Bake um, got a mention actually as well he feels a, a bit villain. Mean. Feels Look, a bit yeah mean. looked on the verge of doing a Pablo at Leicester we can't afford a Bielsa bomb out at the moment kid <laughs> yeah, don't think he, he held it together he hasn't, he? it hasn't come to that yet has it um, let's pick a villain of the week then by weight of nominations it should be Moyes, Moyes. Bowen, Bowen yeah. a close second for a dishonourable mention give it to Moyes alright yeah all right, Moyes, for just Premier League entitlement and poor squad management. And not even being smart enough to get the game called off. Yeah. Uh, the Gitano Baradi Hero of the Week Award. Now, please, let's do nominations for Leeds players right at the start. We've got a number. So Jackie gets nominations, obviously, Prem- for everyone. A hat trick. There's yes. probably no point even listing everyone. You because, so? because it was everyone. It's going to be Jackie, isn't it, then? But should we just. I mean, he's got a hat trick. <laughs> it'd be very unfair to not give it to him, wouldn't it? But. Um, if one of them is off your crotch, does it count? Yes. yes. It's not the greatest goal you've ever seen. Well, people, and the other one's people, just, uh, you know, click out the shot. Forshaw gave him. I'm, I don't know why I'm trying to whack you. People talk about perfect, perfect, some perfect hat-tricks, don't they? Mm. Left crotch, bollock, left bollock, bollock, right bollock. never features, does it? Right. But, um, um, Strout gets nomination. Melier, gets a lot. Yes. Benny uh, looks describes him mm-hmm. as the best defender at the club, mm. which is interesting. It could well be. It mm. certainly will be soon. Melier, uh, as Ken Taylor picks out, says, yes, Jackie got the goals, but Ilian kept us in the game which yeah, is true some yeah. some really good point blank saves as Philip picks out made a cockney want to kill him he um, was that yeah good. I, would, I would really um, in response to that like amp up the heroism of Melier because I don't know what that guy's problem was he should stick to playing Roblox or whatever it's called Roblox <laughs> this is tickled me by Ad Sham saying Dan James 
Jackie will rightly win, but that little scum bastard didn't stop grafting and properly got stuck in. He gets it. <laughs> Lavo's still a little scum bastard. I mean, we, we've referred a leaping scum salmon that was the, um, <laughs> the phrase the other week, wasn't it? But this, it? this is so. all framed in the same way that Kasper Schmeichel doesn't get the joke, mm. continues to not get the joke. We should have mentioned him actually in, uh, in Villains because he's still a big mm. crybaby, but yeah. uh, draining little prick. You said on Saturday, I think not on a recording that we will still be calling Dan James a little scum bastard. That's his testimonial. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give him a big silver platter. In fact, thank you. Engraved for, little scum bastard. Thank you for 10 years of service, you little scum bastard. You've <laughs> been absolutely superb. Did Strachan get any of this? Because he was an elder statesman. Was he more, was he Was he not kind of thrown in with that? Well, I, I don't think know. This, this I is think because James just... feels, because he's so little and young looking, I think he feels bulliable, which I think is why we, <laughs> why we end up calling him a little scum bastard. <laughs> and I think, despite the fact he's good. There's the fact that about the whole transfer blow up in the first place when we were going to yeah. sign him and then he ended up there and it felt like an affront, didn't it? So, but now we've we've kind of healed yeah. it and we can laugh about We're laughing about it. So if we were all in the pub having this discussion and Dan James was sat on that side of the table, we'd be ribbing him and calling him a little Go scum. Go get the drinks, James. Yeah. Yeah, mm. As long as he's got his ID. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, the youngsters and Archie Gray got some uh, some love for proving uh, to Arsenal that you can play or be ready to play for uh, in a game without crying. And let's big up, I don't think it's down here because um, it only happened last night, but big ups to um, Mark Jackson and the Jacko generation for winning two games in the last week when all of the players are playing for um, the first team. And we even... In the game last night against Derby, it was McKinstry who was injured after 15 minutes and carried off looking like he'll be absent for a long time. Archie Gray comes on and the first thing that happens is the big heavy tackle and he goes down and they have to have the physical one for him. So it's, um, and even uh, Max Dean scored the second goal 10 minutes after he'd been lying flat on his back with cramp and looking like he would probably not be able to continue and yet somehow two minutes later he's absolutely bombing forward to get a, a goal so the kind of the youngsters in general mm. not just the ones in the first team but the ones that Jacko is um, is looking after well breaking have had a good week yep and uh, like Yelda as one of those who has uh, sort of graduated into the first team in this last week or two he gets a mention bait again specifically picked out Dallas gets some love as well he's not an under 23 although he probably would play for them if you asked him uh, the FA Cup Lean Cheese picks out the FA Cup for installing fake hope into those lanky southern piss pots, which I enjoyed very much. Yeah, it's going to be Jackie, isn't it? Any other ones you want to mention before we uh, we wrap it up? Uh, Norwich for tiring out West Ham. Luke and Boney M pick and out. And losing to them as well, yeah. which was the crucial thing as well for the... It was the perfect um, perfect ploy. It was They did it in quite a good way because one of the reasons Antonio, I think, had to stay on was because it was only 1-0 until the very end. So there was never really like a... a comfort zone for Moyes to make any changes even though he probably Norwich that's what they call the area of space behind the goal you know called the comfort zone it's Norwich so take some players off put some others on you're still going to win but they they pushed it as far as they could so well played uh, to our Anglian friends but still being shit enough to lose yes yeah great um, Bielsa gets some mentions as well for his sarcasm Jack C picks that out 150th game in charge uh, as well another good performance to stick in the uh, in the list of good performances so um Thanks, Marcelo. It's it's become fun again, hasn't it? But um, Jack Harrison, Hero of the Week. Has to be, doesn't it? It does. Good hat trick. And that wraps up this show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with another weekly show with the news and the previews. Have we got a game after Newcastle? We haven't, have we? No, there's a gap as oh. it stands. That but who knows? International break when Rafinha goes away and we might have to play Liverpool or Villa against their protests. We'll play them anywhere. Mm. There's a car park out here. Just play them in that void behind West Ham's goals. Play for 
five aside. There's so many injuries and layoffs with five aside. It's pushing the London curse a little bit to start playing Liverpool in <laughs> voluntarily. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in let, the Docklands. Let's not do that. But yeah, um, check out the website as well if you want to get hooked up with a one month trial of TSB plus our membership package. Loads of stuff in there. The squareball.net forward slash plus. New magazine out. New t shirt. Yep. All sorts of stuff that is all great and that we can't do it unless we have the money. <laughs> So what you're saying is thank you for supporting you've us. You've got quite a crucial part to play in this. <laughs> we'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.